Welcome to Clamp, the Creating, Living, and Making podcast. I'm your host, Grant Alexander, and joining me today is Morley Kurt. Hello. And Adam Mackey. Yeehaw! <laughs> All right. Well, someone's really enthusiastic, so how about you tell me what's in your clamps this week, Adam? Well, I'm building out a van for my personal trainer. He's hired me to um, build a a lounge that converts into a bed. Please tell and me you're making actually, a video out of it. I am making a video out of it, yes, and he's nice. dropping the van off in just over an hour. Oh. And I'll be doing it today. In a, so does that mean we got to hurry up? No, no. no it's oh, all okay. good. Yeah, that's I've so got six hour, like six and a half hours to do it. It won't take me that long. It's essentially just like three boxes. Fa- famous last words. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I said I'll, I'll at least, because he's going away for the weekend, otherwise he would have left it here. So I said, I'll at least get it to where you can use it. And then if there's anything I need to do, I can like do it after. I can do it tomorrow yeah. or whatever. Nice. So yeah, that's sweet. pretty that's pumped really to do that. Yeah, I saw your little uh, Fusion 360 animation. That was really cool. Yeah. yeah. I was all yeah, ready to so. uh, to tell you what I learned about doing joints and animation stuff, but then, like as usual, when I pop in the Discord and you have a fusion problem, you had already figured it out by the time I read it. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, he got it. <laughs> yeah. That that is yeah, uh, animations. Uh, animations are really cool in fusion. Yeah, they are. I haven't. I've only really I used like it. it for one project. Um, cool. Yeah, you can do a lot. I have been not to take away from you, but just real quick, I've been liking the uh, drawings feature in fusion. I don't know if you've ever done that, but creating like drawing sets from models it's so cool yeah right um no no idea. i've never heard of it can you explain that a little further what a drawing yeah set so is? yeah yeah so like let's say you make a 3d model of a table uh no, you need something more complicated let's say you make a 3d model of like a house right full house like something you like grant you've done in sketchup for your house um you create a drawing from that house from the 3d model and you can insert views and it will create a a top view, a side view. You can do section views and elevations like you would have in an architectural or a mechanical oh, okay. engineering drawing set. And it's all parametric. So when you oh, update that's cool. the design, it updates the drawings. Right. Um, yeah, that's cool. And having made those drawings manually, I think that's why I love it so much. So it's like, oh, my God, this, I have to do zero work except for like adding dimensions and stuff. But uh, that is and I'm sure you could even figure out a way to get it to do that for you yeah well it's interesting like the dimensioning is a bit of an art so i think even if it did it automatically you would have to do a lot of fixing because uh because it never it's never in the right spot it's like you can't the numbers and exactly and it's like what do you demand what makes sense to dimension in terms of how you're going to build it like you don't really care about two holes in the middle how far they are away from each other you probably care how far they are away from like an edge Right. Or like every hole from each other. Anyways, I digress. Fusion sauce. I, I completely get where you're coming from because every time I do a model uh, of anything, even if I just do a drawing, I, I measure, I dimension everything because I'm never quite sure what I want at the time until yeah. I'm like actually making it. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. It was something well, that was kind of beat into my head at engineering school. Like don't over dimension. But if it's for yourself, it doesn't yeah. really matter. <laughs> it was definitely not beat into my head. <laughs> but uh, I think well, you might have done a lot more computer stuff than I did, maybe. Fair. Uh, like, 
we had the first version of AutoCAD. That was what I was using. So nice. I think in the 15 years between when I took engineering and you took engineering, things might have changed a bit. Um, yeah. So, well, Morley, why don't you just keep on going and then tell us what's yeah, in sorry, your Adam, plans. did you have anything else? I kind of like stole your thunder there. I felt like I did. <laughs> All good. All right. Um, well, you remember how two episodes ago I said I might be dropping two videos in a week? Yes. Well, I clearly did not do that. Um, ah. But last week, I finally got out the um, tripod strap video collaboration with Ryan. Um, as tends to happen with some things, it took a little longer than expected. But really happy with the final result. It was the first collaboration video I've ever done. Um, so I Ryan commissioned me to make him uh, a leather strap to hold his tripod that he could take it hiking, uh, other photography adventures. And then he lives in Gaspé, Quebec, which is on the east coast of Canada. It's really beautiful scenery, like right on the Atlantic Ocean. So he took all the finishing shots and videos of him using it and then edited that, that together. And then we kind of like pieced everything together. And it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, he comes more from a uh, filmography and short film background rather than a YouTuber. So like... I definitely learned some things from him in the process. Cause like, cause like I cut down his stuff further and he was like, yeah, you should le- let that shot linger a little longer. Like you don't want to cut right in the middle of a pan. It's very jarring. I was like, Oh, I never really thought about that before. That's a great point. So definitely yeah. had some like takeaways <laughs> uh, from the collaboration just because he comes from such a different perspective. And I, I can already feel in like the edit I'm doing now, the lessons learned from that. It, um, it's also something that you kind of wish you knew ahead of time. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Like so that you can like all those things, little things you learn uh, really help you with the filming aspects of it, too. For sure. Right. You can only do so much in one project. And like that's my perspective on my YouTube channel in general. It's like everyone is an incremental improvement. Although I'm I'm right there with you. I frequently fall into like, oh, I wish I had known that all the videos before. (laughs) Right. So I've got a project that I started filming, I want to say, like a year ago. Um, And obviously I've changed what I've. I do now. So we'll see how that one turns out. But, uh, I, it's like every time I go up and film, I'm like, I wish I had known how to do this before, but yeah. Ah, it's I've noticed, um, like I've been thinking about that a lot lately about like trying to leave clips longer and stuff. Cause I feel like I cut mine way too short. Like I jump between stuff. Cause like, I, I always think like, no one wants to watch me do this for, you know, 10 seconds, but then it just doesn't have the flow that it should have. Mm-hmm. And I was watching, I mean, um, did you see Adam Savage's, he built a bench that looks like a shipping container? Yeah, I watched that yesterday. Yeah. And I was watching it. I'm like, he gets so many views and like he is, his videos are so raw. Like he hardly speeds mm-hmm. up anything, hardly cuts anything out. Like it's crazy. But yeah. it's so interesting to watch. I mean, I, I think I mentioned this before, like part of the, I feel like the appeal of Adam Savage videos is really just like him in his shop is so inherently interesting because you yeah. see all, it's like Jimmy DeResto. You see all of his experience coming through. He's surrounded by all these things that he's collected throughout his life. Mm. Um, right. See, especially when you get people like my age and stuff that like grew up watching Mythbusters and all that sort of stuff and sort of yeah. look up to Adam and just want to see what he's doing and, and all that sort of stuff. So he can get away with some stuff that people that no one knows and, and that like, wouldn't be able to get away with if you even watch like jimmy deresta he was talking about it's all about the emotion so 
he was talking about like an edit he was making and he was like, you know, if I, I fumbled with something and then had to, like I was, he was putting uh, like buttons on something or, or uh, rivets on something. And he was like, I fumbled here and then I had to redo it. Right. Yeah. And he's like, I cut all of that out. Right. Because it's the, and when he shows the final project, it doesn't look like he cut much out. Like you'd have to be doing it at a quarter speed to see it. But it's all about making it so it flows nicely. And he said when he fumbles it and has to like reset the machine or whatever, he said the the emotional like, okay, I like you've you've broken your concentration. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's all about keeping your concentration online. Um and that's where I found like on my camping video, the lowest spots where where I didn't have any music and I didn't have any I didn't put any music in that video. And I did I did these uh time lapse and the time lapse doesn't have any audio. And I didn't put any audio in there, and they're, the two time lapses are where the very lowest points of my videos are. Yeah, yeah. and I just I went. It's because they they've broken the the emotional attachment with the video. They've gotten into this like, you know, like nature and fun and and like just like relaxing, and then there's nothing, no sound, no nothing, and it breaks the flow. So it's all about the flow, just like the panning shot. If you stop a pan in the middle, unless you mm-hmm. fade it out it's not going to look right. I mean, what we're talking about, I feel is like some of the biggest lessons I've learned in making however many videos I've made now, like 60 or something. Um, Like it takes a lot of practice to get a feel for that pacing and Mm. like getting the confidence to let shots linger. And like, I'm feeling like only in the past few videos I've gotten comfortable with like cuts to black and taking my time in places where Previously, I'd be nervous that I'd lose someone's interest then. And then also on the other side is like being conscious of like, oh, I will lose someone's interest here. I have to make this faster. Like it's both of them. It's letting things linger yeah. and knowing when to get to the point, you know? Right. Like uh, if you just do jump cuts every time, there's no, that's a certain emotion you're going for. If you fade to black, that's yeah, trying to show monotone. a different thing, right? Like I fade to black to show time passing. Mm. If I'm showing a glue up at the end of the glue up, I, I often will fade to black to go. And, and now we wait till the next morning, kind of yeah, like, like the it's sun like setting. Yeah. exactly like, oh, leave this overnight. Like, that's what I'm trying to get across with something like that. So it's just interesting to hear those things. If you got any bit, you know, more tips from Ryan, I'm sure that uh, we, we would both love to hear them. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, we want to do some movie discussion uh, episodes for the podcast. So I'm sure on those, we'll get tons of, uh, his insights, which are really, we've, we've had them before, just not recorded. And it's always really interesting. Um, you should do a full episode just on talking about that. That's a great idea. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) I will take that. Um, so otherwise though, more making wise, I got two new projects this week, both of which I'm like super excited about. Um, I don't want to reveal too much. One of them is a 3D printing project and it has to do with a video game that is very near and dear to my heart. And what a very Halo? Halo is an appro- appropriate time frame for you. All I will say is it's very eerie that you say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very impressed. You know why Ready um, Player One had Halo in it? It was to, to apply- get people like me. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. And Fortnite. And then it gets the people younger than me as well. I thought, mm-hmm. I thought Halo would be more my generation. 
where Halo got even bigger afterwards. So yeah, like Halo One came out when I was probably like eight or so, and then they, they it started from there. Yeah, Halo One came out when I was uh, sixteen or seventeen, and mm-hmm. we'd come to my parents' house because we had a big screen TV, and we'd all play four person Halo because we had yeah. the biggest like big giant TV, and then it was like having four twenty seven inch TVs. It was really cool. Nice. Oh, love Halo. Uh, Anyways, I can talk about that for hours, I'm amazed yeah. that you said that. Uh, we'll not say any more about that though. But it's a it's a functional piece. It's not just a mm. prop. And I got a uh, journal commission that I think is going to be really really cool. And I'm going to make a video about it, which I haven't really done in a little while. Like I did the little pocket notebook cover, but um, the only other journal cover video I've made was the one I made for Eden a few years ago, which is done. Very, very nice. Are you giving me a high five? No, the hand. Oh, yeah, yeah, the hand. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But this one's very different from that. Super different aesthetic. And just did the cut the pieces for it today. Um, But other than that, me and Grant had a pretty sweet camping adventure last week. And he gave me his Mystery Maker collab project, which is sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So... That is uh, that is what I've been actually been up to this week is that I I put out my mystery maker collab video. Um, I'll let uh, Morley say what it is. Yeah, so uh, it's a it's a frame. I can't say it's just a frame because it's the flannel and a cherry frame with some maple splines to mount a carved and painted leather patch of a hedgehog or an ouch mouse. As Grant likes to call it. Uh, I've yeah. never heard of the term ouch mouse. I hadn't either, but I love it. Uh, yeah. Is it's a hedge, like, hedgehog and a kid a kidna, are they different? Or is that just you call them something else? I don't know what that second word is that you just said. Echidna. Oh. That's one of those words I've only ever seen like in a biology textbook, but I've never <laughs> heard anyone say before. That's similar to a hedgehog. It's like a I don't know, it's a little like mouse looking thing that's covered in spikes. Uh, so it looks like they're the, the same family, but it's not the same animal. Yeah, yeah. they're more like spiny, spiny uh, anteaters. So their their uh, nose is different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so they okay. look very similar. You're right. Yeah, I have never heard anyone say that word before either. Yeah, all right. What's, are they in Australia? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Hmm. Anyways, Grant, I really like the video, and I especially love the part where you narrate the hedgehog. Like here, the ouch mouse goes for a nice place to sleep. That was really yeah. that was great. Thanks. I tried doing an accent. I tried it a couple different accents, and then I just went with my own voice because none of the accents were what I was trying. I tried to do like an English accent. It came out Scottish, and mm. uh, and then I tried to do something else, and I, I won't even comment on what that one was. And then I went, I'll just use my own voice because it's predictable. But yeah, everyone should go check that uh, video out. It needs some more views. And uh, yeah, the other thing is, uh, obviously, like Morley said, we we went uh, canoe camping. And I did uh, leatherworking for the first time. And that was the super exciting thing. And uh, that the, the fun part was like getting out in the wilderness and still being able to make... And what we wanted to talk about this week was canoeing and how that all relates to creating, living, and making. Mm. 
and that's my really poor segue. Normally, I'm way better at segues. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> well, calling attention to it, you made it a little more forced. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which he told us not to do before we started recording, just for anyone listening. <laughs> so, uh, canoeing. Mm-hmm. It's a lot like, well, like, there's two two different types of canoeing. There's, like, canoe camping, and there's, like, just, like, going out in a canoe for a day trip. Mm-hmm. And I think those are two different two different types of canoeing, but uh, they're both, like, really fun, obviously. But what we did was canoe camping. And so me and Morley, we met for the very first time, which is like, kind of odd, and then we both hopped yeah. into a it didn't It didn't canoe. really feel that odd to me. I feel like I was like, oh, it's Grant, and now in person, not on the screen. It didn't feel odd to me either, but well, it felt everyone who I've mentioned it to said that's odd. So yeah. I went, well, it I would have been, it. um, it would have been a lot more odd if he had shaved beforehand, I reckon. Oh, I wouldn't have recognized him. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have recognized myself either. For those, for those that don't know, we're currently looking at a shaved grant. Yeah. Uh, that's the other thing I did last week is I shaved my beard. I guess I should have mentioned that before, uh, Trying to make a poorly timed segue. Uh, <laughs> thank you for everyone who supported me. I raised uh, $1,100 or over $1,100. Wow, that's so awesome. that's great. My goal was 1000 so I, I got more than my goal. Uh, the charity raised 138000 I think. Um, so, you know, it's really great. And, uh, yeah, so thank you, everyone. And now, yeah, get so not in the next couple of videos, but maybe one in uh, like a month or so, you might get to see shaved Grant. Although, oh, so did you just start filming like today again? No, I haven't okay. filmed anything since I shaved. So okay, so you might have a bit of a five o'clock shadow by the time you start. Yeah, yeah I, I like that you I, did the um, you did the live stream, and then like the next day or the day after, you put out a video and you got full beard again. People be like, what the yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So the the hardest part is like this uh, video that I'm working on for the, the, the thing that the leather working I did on the canoe camping. Um, I, I want to do a fun little thing that I want to do some little bit of acting uh, beyond the what we had filmed. And now I don't have a beard. So Ooh. we'll see how I can... Figure out I thought it was just me that was going to be acting. I don't know. You were also going to be acting. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm going to get morally to act, and and I'm going to act too. I gotta because it's got to like cut to me because I'm the weary traveler adventurer uh, that's yes. looking to learn a new skill. Um. So I wanna I wanna be in the video, but we'll see if it works or not. If I can figure out a way to make it so that you can't see my face. We must we must have like a shot of you walking through the woods at one point. We don't. Hmm. I can, but even would, so, would it, I was gonna say, would it be hard to go get some shots, set up a with, tripod, and walk through? It's just the beard. <laughs> oh, the beard. beard. Right, right. Can, hey, actually, it'd be one. it'd be funny if you put on a really obviously fake beard, like felt. <laughs> nice. Yes. Like People that listen to the podcast style. know. Yeah, yeah. I actually think you should do that. I think it'd be hilarious. And like, <laughs> you know, when you watch like a documentary and they have like, this is a reenactment in bold, and it's so obvious that it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so I might do that, or I might just like cover my face. Um, yeah. Somehow. I think you should do that. It'd be hilarious. We'll see. We'll or just see wear a happens. mask, like a like a pull up balaclava mask sort of style thing. People won't know. Yeah. So I'm gonna pretend to be like some sort of uh, medieval COVID safe. 
medieval times or World Warcraft sort of time uh, <laughs> adventurer. So I can put on a costume. Nice. And, yeah. Uh, but canoeing. It was it was probably like the most peaceful time I've ever had in a canoe. I'll say that. Some, like At some points on the water, it was just like like awesome mm-hmm. i don't know morally go tell us more no i, Talk I about maybe agree. what you did out there and i i was saying that when we were fishing because like we weren't having much luck fishing on the water but being in a boat on the water like around 5 6 p.m as the sun's starting to get low in the sky is so nice and i was telling grant like that's something i used to do when i was working in the rockies is because like the lodge was right in a lake uh, we had like rowboats and canoes and stuff. So sometimes after work, I would just take the rowboat on the lake. I was trying to catch these um, cutthroat trout all summer. Apparently the lake is full of them and I would see them jumping all the time, but I could not for the life of me catch a single one of these trout. They're so picky. Um, but it was so nice just to like, I, I would paddle out to the middle. I would open my book of knots and like try to like tie on some flies and just drift around the lake for a while. I mean, there's no other boats out there. Like the lodge is the only thing on this mountain lake. Um, and it's a similar thing. Like when we were, when we were in Algonquin, just um, you're alone out there. It, it, part of it is like, you have nowhere to be. Um, right. If you're doing the fishing. I mean, if you're paddling, obviously you have somewhere to be, but I remember it's so quiet. You know, I, yeah, sorry, my I'm wife going. and I went on a, went on a trip once, like um, 10 hours North. And like, we were just carefree for a whole week. Didn't care about bills, money, like nothing. Just completely carefree. Weren't worried about getting home. And it was the best trip I've ever been on. Yeah. Because it was like, it was just no stress, nothing. It was amazing. That's one of the things I love about camping too, is like your world gets shrunken down. Like you're just assuming you're not trying to survive, like that you've packed food. Um, (laughs) You're just trying to figure out like, how do I set up the best camp? Um you're, you have all these little considerations that you don't normally have in day-to-day life. And it's all about like having this really nice cohesive experience with nature. And you don't have like the anxieties of modern life. You know, like people yeah. say like first world problems breed depression. People in like very poor, hard circumstances aren't usually, there's not as much depression in those areas. Um, part of that may be because they're living so close to like the bone you know, it's like when you're camping, you have, you're so viscerally involved in all of your day-to-day things. Um, yeah. Cause you're, you're like, you want to make a fire. Well, now you have to go out and find some wood and, and you have to, you know, we, we played around with like making fire with a fire stick or fire steel. Successfully, um, I would say. Successfully. Which it's the second time I've ever done it successfully. So I was very happy, but uh, it was definitely something that you know it's like it in the real world you just turn on your stove and boom you're, you're good right like yeah you, you have so much more time in the real world well it's funny right. like to, to relate it to making as well is like i find like doing the dishes and some sorts of like menial making tasks very relaxing in a similar way um you enjoy you know, doing like, dishes? Yeah, I, I do. Like, it's really satisfying. It's a nice break, I find, from, like, 
a lot of the really heady stuff I'm doing during the day, especially like designing or editing videos where I'm making like so many decisions that seem really, really important, but then I can like duck off and like, you know, like you're, you're making progress through something. You have a definitive end. It's better than how you left it. Obviously I'm sure I'm not always going to feel that way, but for now it's a nice break. I was going to say, this is, this is what it feels like not to have kids. You get excited exactly. to do dishes. Yeah. And that's a big part I'm of it too. I'm like, it's like, get the dishes done so I can just sit on the lounge and relax. Right. I have the time and the space to kind of like enjoy it. I don't even know if yeah. I would say enjoy it, but it's a but, nice relaxation. And that comes back to the whole, like what we we're, while we we're canoe camping, we, I, we didn't plan a strenuous trip where we're doing eight hours a day canoeing into like remote uh like it was remote-ish but it was like wasn't the most remote place in the world but uh it was we we just kind of we had a lot of time set aside for whatever we needed to do and by having that extra time allowed you the time to actually enjoy making a fire right enjoy uh you know, whatever it was that we were doing, um, going out and fishing for an hour didn't really matter. Yeah. Right. It was, you just go and do it. And you know, it it would be different if, like you said, if we were trying to catch fish for dinner and we didn't have dinner. Yeah. I think our attitudes would have been a little bit different. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, on the other side of that too, like not the relaxing side of camping, but like you, like those situations do happen. Like you, you want to catch fish to eat. Um, camping is very stressful when it's raining and you're trying to get your tent set up. I've had that happen a handful of times um, with Eden as well, like with my girlfriend. And that is a that is a relationship testing experience, I will tell you. But we came out stronger from it, and it helps me be a better maker. It's like it gives you an experience of like there are real stakes here. Like if you don't get your tent up, if you don't get things in your tent, it will be wet for the weekend and you will be very uncomfortable and you might get hypothermia. Um, and I find that applies really, sorry, I just like dumped my mic. That applies really, really well to making in the same way where it's like sometimes a project really seems to be going south. And um, I don't know. It's like we, I've talked about before those kind of gumption building experiences like with Ethan, I was talking about Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. He talks a lot about those um, where it's like, I'm just thinking of like a really tricky glue up where it's like, I don't think I have enough clamps here, but like I got to get this thing together and I can't get any more clamps right now. So like we might, we got to figure it out. It's got to go together and this glue's drying. So we got to hurry up a little bit. And I think uh, those, those trying camping experiences kind of work out those muscles. And even if you fail, like we might have at fishing um you you still learn something from the experience like i failed at gluing something up because i didn't have enough clamps i totally didn't have enough and i went i'll figure i'll i was trying to glue up a kind of chaotic pattern to make uh uh coasters and like end grain coasters so it just i didn't have enough clamps and in the end when i took it apart and took all the clamps off that i did put on it it didn't work. It didn't work at all. There was gaps everywhere. I learned a valuable lesson that F clamps are the best clamps and bar clamps don't work in, in their, in their stead. Um, if I had had, Why, what, clamps, what was, what was the that. problem with bar clamps in that situation? Just out of curiosity, they couldn't reach far enough. I needed to reach and I needed to reach around things. 
just the way that I, I oh, designed. like the throat, the throat depth. Yeah, exactly. They didn't have any throat depth, and they didn't. You couldn't screw them in further, and then they were longer. Anyways, it just I couldn't reach where I needed to reach, okay. uh, both like in depth and also like in like you know like an F clamp has that like part that looks like a G going up. Yes, or a stem coming up. Yeah, couldn't. It needed to go just over a little bit, and anyways. Bar clamps just didn't quite work, um, but that's the kind of thing that you learn from those those lessons. Like maybe you can tell the story all about how I caught the only fish on the. Oh, okay, on the trip. <laughs> I feel so bad about this, <laughs> and again, I'm sorry. So, so uh, Grant and I, as we mentioned, we were fishing throughout the trip, uh, weren't having much luck, and then our second night because we went for two nights. We were at our second camping spot. I was uh, working on my project on the shore while Grant was fishing. I was filming the project. And I hear Grant yell, I think I got one, which I go, was like, oh, heck yeah. And I, I was already filming. So I just turned my camera, ran over to Grant and he had this beautiful brook trout. I mean, it was probably a foot long, I would say easily. Yeah. It was, like, it, yeah. We have a picture, so. Yeah. And that, and well, we have video too. So we can probably figure out the exact dimensions, but it, like- it was a good sized trout. Yeah. So I think you, you had got one nibble right before that. And then your next cast, you got it. Um, just like right from this rock on the shore. And uh, you hear using, Grant in the video. Sorry, go on. Yeah. And I was using, of all things, a red devil, which I, like I wasn't trying to fish for trout. So. Oh, okay. What is the what is the red devil lure look like? The little red spoon. Oh, okay. Yeah. The red and white so, spoon. So you can hear Grant in the video, like I run down, Grant's lifting the line out of the water and I'm like grabbing at the fish because we didn't have a net. Grant's like, oh, let's get him up on shore. And I was like, no, like I'll take him off the hook right here. So I lift it out of the water and oh, I feel so bad. <laughs> I grab the fish. I have my pliers out. The fish starts like flapping wildly. So you like my kind of strategy when that happens, and maybe this is wrong, but I usually let go. And thinking like, I'll let him tire himself out and then grab again. Um, but I should have just grabbed on tighter because the fish promptly flopped itself right off the hook, fell into the water. Me and Grant just froze. Like I, we said afterwards, like <laughs> I probably could have just reached into the water and grabbed again. But I think we were all just like, did that just happen? Right. We, all three of us, Dick, Morley, me and the fish, all of us just were in shock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Anyways, I'm I'm figuring out a good way to uh, incorporate that scene into my video because I think it should be highlighted. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think it'll make it in my first video. I'm going to make two videos of of the camping trip. One will be the the project, and the other one will be a, just the the trip in general. But uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know. I, you know, it I wish fun, we, it was a fun moment. We were saying like it would have been nice to have a fish. Like we had plenty of food. We didn't need the fish to eat. It would have been kind of nice to have that experience, but like I haven't gut a fish in a while. I wasn't really looking forward to killing and gutting a fish when you're camping. It's, I mean like it's, I'm not super practiced at it. I have done it, but it's, uh, it's messy if you're not really practiced. Um, but like, that's but I, I, I wish that you at least were able to hold it up and take a picture with it. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, Ah, I'm okay with it. We got a good fit, like because you were filming. Luckily, you yeah. were, you were filming, so we got a picture of it. Uh, we got a picture yeah. of it, and it's actually like a, I took a screen grab from one of the frames of the video. It's actually, a, I think, a really good picture 
kind of showing like you you yeah, got this it whole in your scene. hands. It is really cool. It's a really cool scene. Yeah, it's like obviously not the best picture of a fish, but it's a cool picture of two friends fishing. Yes, for sure. But yeah, it would have been nice to have it because I've never got a fish before, and I wanted to kind of be part of that process. And uh, just because it's like uh, a life skill, I think everyone should should know is how to take a thing and turn it into food. <laughs> but uh, next time, I always throw time. them back. Yeah, I, I usually do too, but they're too icky. Well, you haven't had trout, have you? No. Yeah. I see people like catch catfish and stuff like on YouTube, and I'm just like. That is just not, no thanks. Fun fact, trout and salmon are basically the same fish. A salmon is uh, just a, a, a type of trout. They're actually the same species. I um, I don't like fish. But you We eat, talked about this before, but, actually. But you eat shark. I eat shark. Oh, yeah. We did talk about that. And then we yeah. didn't believe that Adam actually liked shark. And then we yeah. realized that fish are different in North America and Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, but, you know, uh, one, one thing that I kind of wanted to mention too is like having a continuous project to work on throughout those two days is such an awesome experience. And I've done that before on like camping trips or hiking where it's like, it's not usually like as I'm not going to reveal exactly what the project is yet, but it's not really something that's that nice and refined. Um, usually it's like, I'm just thinking back to when I was really young and I was like, I'm going to try to chip this rock to form an arrowhead. Um, and you kind of like are carrying that rock with you throughout the trip and you get really attached to it and it's something to do in, in downtime. Um, it's a really nice thing to kind of mix into the experience. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's, it was the, it's kind of like a little thread that comes through the whole, the whole thing that kind of puts a nice little, is that a hint? I don't know. We didn't use any thread. Um, (laughs) but it was just like it's nice to have something to work towards at the same time as as you're you know kind of on vacation Um, because that's what it was for me I took the week off work because why not Um, but yeah it was uh, it's just nice to have something to do that's outside of the like you don't need this to survive clearly we're, we're already surviving. So it's just something to like some little project to make your, your time more meaningful, uh, your downtime. Right. For sure. What was it? Um, what was it like in the, what, what do you, you went to national park, right? Uh, yeah. provincial park. Yeah. Yeah. So was it busy? Was there many people around and stuff or. So the, uh, the week that we went, we went midweek. Uh, on the shoulder yeah. season is what it's called because it's like the the up till September. Once it gets September, it's just, it's the kind of off season. So we went midweek in the off season, and uh, it was it was pretty much dead. Like when like we saw like two or three people uh, on the first two days. On the way out, it was Friday, and it was yeah. packed. It was just like, like continuous. We didn't even have to look at the map going back. We we just followed the canoes coming the other way. <laughs> <laughs> right that's pretty much how it was it was insane how many more people were there for the weekend because it was also like a really nice 
like the weather was unseasonably nice. So I think it was just one of those like everyone saw the weather and went, I'm going. Right. And oh, we didn't yeah. go very far. So we're we're at like the one of the closer spots to make sure that our my first camping canoe camp trip didn't uh, end up in tears. <laughs> did you um did you have to carry your canoes much? Or was it just like once you get down to the water, then you just canoe wherever you're going? So I'll let Morley uh, take this because he was the one carrying the canoe. So we had one uh, portage, which is called. Oh, you have one canoe. We had one canoe. Had canoe we, yeah, we were sharing a canoe with all our stuff in it. And we had one portage, yeah. which is when you take the canoe out of the water and you have to walk it over land. Um, so I had done this once before the last time I went to the park with a big, heavy aluminum canoe basically you flip it upside down put it on your shoulders and walk with it and grant's canoe is a nice light fiberglass canoe which was a much better experience to portage Um, it's it's really funny he calls it fiberglass weighs less than aluminum yeah for sure Uh, yeah aluminum yeah it's about 20 pounds less and it's funny because there's so Mm -hmm. he talks about my canoe as being light and when my dad bought it 40 years ago it was um nowadays it's it's considered heavy uh, it's about 65 pounds. And nowadays for a canoe the same size, it would be about 45 pounds. Like I was or, definitely like, feeling it. Was that like five kilos? I don't know. What, <laughs> I don't know what kilos are. Just divide it by like 2.2. Yeah, 2.2. About, 2. 2. Yeah. It's about half. Um, yeah. Like I was feeling it by the end of the portage, especially because it was like mostly uphill. Like I was, I was breathing heavy. Um, but the last one that I did, like I could feel my spine collapsing. Because I also had my pack on. <laughs> this one wasn't so dramatic. Yeah. Well, and it the- was only a uh, 240-meter uh, portage. Mm-hmm. So it, we, we talk in meters about distance and pounds about weight. We're screwed up in Canada. Uh, you guys don't know what you That's are. a whole other discussion. <laughs> yeah. But like just that, that little extra bit of separation you have from society with that portage – that's one of the things I love about canoe camping is like you get to the other side and you feel like you're so much further away than the 200 meters back where you started. Um, then I really start like I'm feeling like a like a fur trapper going through the Canadian wilderness. Right. And it's it's so and, adventurous feeling, especially since you have all your stuff with you, you know. Yeah, and that's why I love watching the like Ted Baird and, and my self-reliance and those people like to watch those videos and I go – like they do some crazy trips and it's exactly like that. Like they're fur trappers. It's crazy. Like, Oh my God. Okay. So quick aside, this isn't my clamendation because I was told I'm not allowed to make it. It, I wasn't going to do it anyway, but, um, Al's hack shack, his video on the table. Yes. That, ga- I don't know if about you guys, but that gave me such a, like a primitive technology, my self-reliance vibe because like he just made something almost inconceivable in terms of his tool set in space. And like, it was cutting from like, like hours of work apart each, each cut. It it just really reminded me of those. Yeah. And I loved hearing how he talked about how there was like 32 different segments or 42 different segments in his video. Um, And he talked about like, he really talked about the flow of making a video to, to bring it back to what we talked about earlier is like he went like he did the router thing. He did one pass of the router and then he, then it's done because it's the exact same thing for the other 15 meters or however long that table is. Right. Yeah. 
right? Which so actually, he, it's funny. I think if he had shown any more of the routering, I not I wouldn't have watched it because right. at that point in the video, I was thinking like, oh my gosh, this project looks like so much work. And it was making me like almost uncomfortable to watch thinking of how much work he had ahead of him. But the fact that he didn't show all those steps, I was like, oh, now I'm still interested because there's more to it than this. And that's, and that's how you make a, a, a good video. And that's what I try and do with mine. Like mm-hmm. sometimes I do like my sanding is one second. It's literally a, and I sand it, whoop, and that's it. Like yeah. it's just like enough to show I did it. And otherwise no one cares, right? Yeah. I tried in uh, when I built the mic stand that I'm recording from to like get a shot of the silhouette of the piece with the window behind it so I could like get the dust shadow. It didn't really work, but it made <laughs> for like a much, I think, more interesting inclusion of sanding in the video than if I had just filmed me sanding. Right. So that's a, yeah. I like the idea of like go from like a sanding shot and then fade into applying finish or something mm-hmm. mm. just to show that you've, you've sanded before you've applied finish. Yeah. yeah. Well, to shift gears back to canoeing, I watched uh, Bob's video this week. I like to make stuff and uh, it's interesting talking about portaging is that uh, he made something to, to move his canoe on the ground uh, just some wheels uh, that fold up and like can go in his thing. And it was a big, heavy aluminum canoe, which so I, I watched the video. And the first thing I went is I went to the comments to find how like I must have watched it within the first 30 minutes it was out. And I want I wanted to try and find the first comment where someone said, why don't you just put it on your back? Um, <laughs> and that literally in the first 30 minutes, there was already two people saying it. Um, and there was one person who actually said aluminum is the lightest thing you can make canoes out of. And I went, wow, that is uh, so not true. <laughs> no, I know it's not. It's, so, and then I, I kind of had a little comment. Are you, sure they didn't, with them. are you sure they didn't mean that um, aluminum is the cheap, is the lightest you can make canoe? No, nope, they said aluminum. Um, Cause they spelled it correctly. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> do you spell it different? I don't know. Yeah. It anyway. is uh, aluminum and aluminum are spelled differently. Oh, I didn't know that. So, anyways, um, regardless of that, yeah. we had a little comment battle, and uh, and I and he later realized that he had said it is the lightest, and he he went and edited his comment because he realized that it is the it is lighter than the within wood. Like that's about it. <laughs> it's one of the lightest, but not even close. It's a fiberglass, carbon fiber, Kevlar. Wood with fiberglass, wood with carbon fiber. There's like a million ways to make a a way lighter canoe than a birch bark. Probably a um, a dugout canoe would be heavier. Right. So I didn't realize it until you were saying about how you guys did your trip that that because I thought like that would have been great for you guys like Bob's video, but it wouldn't have because you put your stuff in the canoe when you moved. Right. And the canoe has to be upside down. So I wonder if you could make one that would go the other way. So it when we actually portage, we put all the stuff on our backs. So we have backpacks. So when you do the portage, but, he, you, he, but if you had one the other way, then you wouldn't have to carry stuff on your backs. Right. So there's people you still would because there's like the canoe can't take the weight outside of the water. Right. Right. Because like you need the the load dispersed across. The, the way that it would, also, yeah, okay. it would also have to be a very uh, off-road 
capable rig because we were like it was like a pretty steep hike to get to the next spot um well his looks pretty off road yeah i you know, i liked the idea of like just being able to put the strap over your shoulder and just walk walk away like it's a bag that's so cool. we actually saw a kayaker and the way you do a kayak is the is the, something similar you have wheels but what they do is they do the the wheels on the on one of the the, the bow or the stern or whatever yeah uh and that's what bob talked about in this video but then he ended up going the middle um but when you're doing that with a kayak it is so much harder mm. like doing these portages they're not made they're made to like they're hikes they're there's like pretty steep hills a lot of them so I, if you don't have it on your back you you can't make it is plastic lighter than fiberglass? No. Can you buy plastic canoes? Yes. Yeah, because we so kayaks are more popular here in Australia. People use them for fishing and stuff. Um, canoes, you would have to go searching for. I mean, I've grown up with canoes. I used to do camping like in the school holidays, and we always had canoes and all that sort of stuff. And used to lay in the water underneath them and think we were cool because we could breathe. <laughs> yeah. Um, and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, so like kayaks here are a lot more, um, like they're pretty much everywhere. Everyone's got them. I bought my wife one a couple of years ago for Christmas and we had it chained to a tree down by the water because we live like 10 meters away from the water. And then about 20 meters along the path where the water is, there's a um, holiday park. So someone decided when they were leaving that they would go cut the chain and oh. take our kayak. So. That was like 600 bucks down the that drain. Sucks. Pretty annoying. But yeah, so kayaks are a lot more um, like sought after here. Yeah. Well, like kayaks yeah. are but great yeah, if I, you're I not you portaging. If you're not portaging, a kayak is the way to go. It's also sure. great for the ocean. Like you don't really want a canoe in the ocean. Yeah, unless it's an ocean canoe, which most of them aren't. I don't even know what that looks like. So a kayak's like more stable or something. Yeah, because you generally sit on the bottom of a kayak, and they're they're narrower, and so you 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 like can paddle from both sides. In a canoe, you sit on a seat or you kneel. But yeah, oh, yeah. right. It didn't even occur to me that canoes have seats. Yeah, because I think you I thought you would just sit in the bottom of it. No, because um, so a kayak you're actually sitting on the top of it, not on the bottom of it. No, in the bottom. I mean, it depends, it well, it depends, depends on the type the kayak. of kayak. Yeah. There's like the open top kind mm-hmm. and the enclosed kind. I thought open top kind meant it was a canoe. <laughs> so the ones that you sit on top are like the new style kayaks. And they're more like yeah. just for like out and about and, and not really mm. for like far distances. And the old like traditional style kayaks, you would sit inside. And at most, you would strap yeah. some gear on the top. Like kayaks, yeah. Kayaks so like, have, our, our, like fishing kayaks, you sit on top, yeah, right. but then there's like storage inside, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah the fishing kayaks are a little bit different. They're kind of cool, and there's even some fishing kayaks mm. that like you uh, can like steer and stuff from the top with your feet. And yeah, you have your feet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, there's some really cool, cool. If you want to check out a way of like. A simple way of making a canoe uh, or a kayak uh, trailer, uh, Kelly Concepts on YouTube makes one. And he's got like, I don't know, 300,000 views on his little video about making a kayak trailer. So you should go check that out. But cool. we're talking about canoes because they're a bit better in some ways. <laughs> 
But I actually thought the the way that like so the Morley was obviously easily able to carry the canoe on his back. I am not as strong as Morley. I cannot do it. Um, I've tried. Ooh, and I, so to answer the question of who would win in a fight, I already said everyone's <laughs> like everyone of both of you guys are stronger than me, guaranteed. Mm. Um, so I maybe I need something for deadlift. So. Yeah, maybe I need something like what Bob made. So I think if you do cool. make one, you should. Have you ever seen like people have those, um, those wheelie? I don't know what they're called. Basically, like if they're shopping for groceries in the city, they have those like push carts that you put all your groceries in, and then they wheel them back. To A their shopping apartment. cart. Yep. Yeah, but it's like more personal. Anyway, yeah. some of them have three wheels arranged around a center axle that like climb upstairs. Yes. If you made oh, yeah, a yeah. one of the canoe wheel attachments with that. That would be awesome. And then you could take it on. That'd be pretty cool. I like it. Mm. Maybe one day. That's pretty cool. One day. Well. Hmm. Since you keep talking about what your clamp mendations aren't, how about you talk about what they are? Oh, that was just about what I was almost exactly going to (laughs) say. So, Adam. Stole your thunder. Yeah. How about you take that? Take it away. All right. So my clear mandation this week is a show on, uh, I don't know. Netflix. No, it's not on Netflix because it's not the, it's not the Asian one. Oh, so it's a show. It's a show called kingdom. It's, um, it's about MMA fighting and it has some who I think are cool actors, but I was talking to my mate who has been watching the show and has no idea who they are, but it has, um, Jonathan Tucker, Matt Lauria and Nick Jonas. Well, you know who Nick Jonas is probably. Um, and Frank Grillo are like the four main ones that I recognize that I like. But so, yeah, so what it is, it's a show about MMA, um, about a guy that gets out of jail. He was a retired MMA fighter. The, the main guy is a retired MMA fighter who owns a gym. And then he's like trying to mix life with running the gym and then trying to keep his family and shit together and didn't mean to swear there. And yeah. Make sure to point and out. Then, uh, there's a, yeah. Yeah. And there was a MMA fighter that um, came out of jail and then he's like trying to get him back into it and all that sort of stuff. It was a really good show. Cool. And whenever I watch it, it makes me want to like eat healthy and be buff as because <laughs> those dudes are insane. I'm always like amazed when I'm watching something. I go, ah, oh, man, I really wish I could do that. Like American Ninja Warrior, right? Like, mm. oh, I just want to climb. There's like a wall at my gym when I was in high school that was like the peg wall where like there's yep. pegs going up a wall. That's my only goal of my entire life. One day I'd like to do that. I've never been able to do it. So, so we're, we've got 20 minutes away from us. There's a school called Central Coast. Uh, obstacle racing school oh. and it's two people yeah two people that were on australian ninja warrior they have this and they they do classes so my son who's four years old he goes and does classes oh, once a week cool and trains for ninja warrior and stuff it's so cool that's awesome um, back in my yeah. parkour days i would be chomping at the bit to go to that <laughs> yeah and they they do like they go all the way up to adults and everything like i think if i ever get fit enough for and i can actually use do monkey bars and stuff i'll probably end up going there yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's such a cool thing. Wow. Oh, that's yeah. cool. 
a lot of um yeah i was gonna say like a lot of the girls that go to my gym uh like dancers and stuff and like you watch their videos and i just think like you literally just did like a push-up into like a burpee flip thing like i can't even do a burpee <laughs> yeah dancers are crazy <laughs> strong like it's every time crazy. i work easy like eden's a dancer she like trained in ballet and was in a modern dance company at university and every time i work out with her i'm just like wow you are killing me in these ab exercises <laughs> yeah you can tell who the dancers are at the gym because like they're just so flexible and and all that sort of stuff. Like they do, there's a chick in my gym who does a burpee and like almost knees herself in the chest <laughs> every time. Like, like how do you even bend that far? That's crazy. Well, yeah. so well, uh, I'm going to go next. I'm going to talk about the history of pocket screws. That's my clamp foundation. So uh, there's a uh, YouTuber that I watch. His name is Don. He's uh, WB Woodworking or uh, I believe... Let me just uh, WB Fine Woodworking with Don Bullock, and uh, and he did a, a fun you know history compilation of pocket holes, which uh, he's done two videos on it, and uh, this the one that I'm recommending is the uh, more recent video which talks about the the further history beyond the Craig jig. So everyone thinks pocket holes started oh. with with the Craig jig, and they didn't. And I know this because I have a I have furniture that my dad made in his high school class that has pocket holes in it, mm-hmm. and the Craig jig didn't exist when my dad was in high school, so pocket holes have existed for a lot longer. Anyways, he talks a lot about uh, pocket holes, and you know, the, it's a pretty comprehensive history of it, and I think it's a really good video that people should check out. Uh, Don's. Uh, nearing a thousand subscribers so everyone should go subscribe to him as well he's uh you know he's got a little fun he likes to do little fun animations and stuff uh in his videos and uh yeah anyways i think it's a it's a worthwhile it's a longer video it's like 20 minutes long but if you cared anything about pocket holes and want to know where they've been used outside of the craig jig world uh i think it's a pretty good video yeah if you put like an old lounge or something apart, they're just full of them. Yeah. Yeah. Pocket holes have been around for, and people always knock them. I'm like, they've been around for so long and never had issues. But this van build I'm about to do, I went like, I'm about to use like a hundred pocket holes. Right. Well, mm. there's the big, big thing is like people compare when you, there's a lot of people think about pocket holes and they think about cheap furniture because a lot of times cheap, like chipboard furniture or, what is that? What it, I don't know what it's called beyond chipboard, but MDF, o- OSB, that kind oh, of that, or MDF, both yeah. those things. Uh, they when they have pocket holes in them, they don't have the strength to keep mm. the pocket hole, so it just rips away. And it's it just, not, the problem isn't the pocket hole; the, pro- the problem is the material. Exactly. The distinction also isn't even pocket holes are in cheap furniture; they're just in largely mass-produced furniture, some of which mm. is not cheap at all. I have this really nice mid-century modern chair that a friend gave me that I fixed and it's held together with pocket holes, but it's walnut. It's beautiful. It's lasted 60, 70 years. It'll probably last 60, 70 more. Right. Anyways, watch, watch the video and you'll hear all about how long they've been around and <laughs> all the different types of, uh, of furniture that, that people have been using in different styles. Nice. It's really good. All right. So, well, what about you, Morley? What's your clamp mendation for the week? 
my clamendation this week was an easy choice. It is Jimmy Deresta's boot knife. I was following the build on his Instagram when he was in like the prototyping and in the making stage. Um, and I watched the full video a few days ago and it's like, it's everything I love about Jimmy Deresta and his videos is in that one video. Like oh. he has the product development, the prototyping, uh, machining brass, carving leather, stacked leather on a bandsaw in just like an inc- mind blowing, incredible way. Mm, that's um, insane. And it just, it's the finish is beautiful. Like it's just so inspirational. Like I can't, I wanted to say about his video as well. And like, I don't think Jimmy's going to listen to this. So um, I do mean no offense though. How we're talking before about how like leaving clips for so long and that, how many times does he want to show putting the knife into the holder (laughs) and stuff? I'm just (laughs) at the end. (laughs) It's like 20 clips of just like taking the knife in and out and I'm, Honestly, though, like if uh, it's so satisfying that like I totally understand why he wants yeah. to do that. He's like, I'm just milking this because I love it. Yeah. yeah, but it's it is funny at the end of the video, ninety percent of people are are tuned out anyway. They're already clicked right? off. So the people that you have left there are staying around to the end. So he knows yeah. that, yeah. right? He knows you, you've already lost ninety percent by the last minute of your video or the last thirty seconds of your video. Mm-hmm. He does it. He does it in the middle of the video as well, though. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I just wanted to point that out. I just thought it was funny. That that's that's a Jimmy thing to do, though. Yeah, and that's what oh, makes it. And like people that, that know Jimmy get it. And the fact that he made the knife itself from like an old spring, yeah, uh, like from a car. It's just like I saw the beginning. I was like, I, no I was way so you're making the knife. He was, when it, when, when yeah. he took it out of the bin, I was like, no way you're making the knife out of it. And then he starts cutting it and bending. I was like, oh, guess you are. That's insane. Yeah, <laughs> I was devastated that he actually like straighten the piece of spring out and all that. I thought he was going to squish it together and have like a um, <laughs> patent. What's seal. that? What's that? Damascus. Yeah. yeah. What's that? Um, Damascus. Yeah. Like sort of like Damascus, but like a little bit different. Cause, but yeah, I thought it would have looked really cool if you did that. Yeah. Damascus, you're going to have different, uh, steels, two different steels. Yeah. yeah. So, and- yeah. I suppose if you did it with just the piece of spring, it would just all mold into one. You wouldn't be able to tell. Exactly. And you'd have yeah. to be really, really good at forge welding. Hmm. Which, it, that's the way you get it. To, anyways. I don't do... <laughs> I know, I've, I watched, I've watched enough Alex Steele videos to know. I've never watched an Alex Steele video. Ever. Oh. I've watched enough blacksmithing videos, though, without having done hmm. any blacksmithing to know that Damascus is very difficult. And it's also not Damascus. Because yeah. that's... Okay. Yeah. So, I want to give a big shout out to Leroy from Big Rock Timberworks down in the down under um, for being our. I, I was I was um I was in his area. Oh, two days ago. Did you stop by and yeah. grab some walnut cutoffs? No, oh. I was in a, I was in a bit of a rush, but I went out to get plywood. Ah, and uh, yeah, he's our F clamp level uh, shout out or uh, patron on uh, patreon and uh if you want to be shouted out in a video go on to uh patreon and make sure to uh to subscribe and another thing that we mentioned last week i'm going to mention again is that we have keychains for every single uh patron that signs up on patreon they're uh made by morley they're 3D print, clamped, stamped, dyed, 
everything and then uh, hand numbered all. So it's going to, the number is going to represent when you, the, what number you were in our patron list. So uh, for example, Leroy was our very first patron and therefore he's getting number one keychain. Um, and they'll be going. Molly's well, holding one up so everyone listening can see. It. Yeah. Can you see this? Listening? Yeah, I'll make yes. I'll make noises with it in front of the microphone. That's it. So yeah, there's... Uh, if you do want to see it, go have a look at um, our Instagram pages. Yes, yeah. and uh, if you don't like it as a keychain, they're also really great as like a luggage tag, mm. to you know differentiate your luggage or anything fun idea. like that. Um, mm. And now the it's most fun part of our. Of our podcast is the Morley doing uh, accents. All right, what and, do we got? And we got a review, so read it out, Morley. All right. This one says, Grant is an amazing host. The other guys are pretty cool too, I guess. Five stars. I heard about this podcast from, from, from some Aussie bloke that said, hey, want to make a podcast? Wow, there is a bit of a rough start. Please don't listen to the first episode. I feel like it's much more professional podcast type thingamajig these days, but don't quote me on that. Every week they get together and chat about topics that I enjoy. And that's what really matters, right? And every once in a while, they even have a cool guest. What are you doing reading this? Go listen. Please read this review while doing an impression of the best host of Clamp, which is myself, of course. So I told you he was going to say that. And that one is from possibly one of the hosts via Apple podcasts. So, Mixing uh, the review and the Patreon together, there is in the after show last week, a little secret about one of the reviews from last week. And if you want to find out what that is, go listen to the after show. All right. And if you can't, uh, you know, support us through Patreon, which I completely understand, uh, the best thing you can do to support us is share the show. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, or write a review. And give us, uh, you know, five stars is best, four stars, little less, three stars, acceptable, two stars. Please tell us why it's two stars. I would really <laughs> appreciate that. And one star, please just don't leave a one-star review. Um, anyways, or, you know, do it. And if it's honest, we'll take that uh, feedback. Uh, you know, the- I, want, I want the one-star reviews because it tells people that not all of the reviews are, are just shills. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. got some real controversy. They're not painful. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why I'm okay with a four-star review, right? Yeah, yeah. This and is if for some reason you can't leave a review, um, just message one of us on Instagram yeah. or message the Clamp Instagram. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I want to say is uh, I want to thank TF Turning for the use of the theme song. He, it was wrote and recorded by him. And uh, before that, uh, any other business? Anyone? Uh, nothing from me. Nothing from me. So I just want to mention that, uh, sadly, you know, uh, the world lost a great maker. Um, Figment's made, uh, Sharon. Uh, we found out about it this week. It's. Uh, I wanted to mention at the end of the episode so that I would not cry throughout the rest of the episode. Um she was a great person, and I never got the chance to meet her. She was one of those people, though, that I really felt like one day I would um, because mm-hmm. she seemed to be everywhere all the time and always supportive of everyone. Um, so it's a very sad day or sad week, um, and that's what I wanted to say. So, uh, last yeah, I never th- had the pleasure. Yeah. So if you guys, you know, go watch her videos – 
because I definitely think everyone choose one of the few people that when a video came out, I always watched it immediately when I saw it. She was one of those people. So anyways, very sad. We'll put a link to her YouTube in the show notes. Yeah. Yes. Um, anyways, so on that note, on that sad note, um, where can everyone find everyone? I'm just going to go for it. You can find me at the Grant Alexander everywhere. You can find Morley Kurt at Morley Kurt everywhere. You can find Adam at Maker Mackie everywhere. And uh, yay, yay. thanks for listening. Thank you. See ya. Kind of make it flow into it, not and then yeah. not just be like, and Graham, what did you do this week? But then right. use that as a transition. That's how a good segue is. You don't mention it at all. Nice. You don't say, and now to segue.